countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey! It is now time for more of the last comic shop! That's right, we are opening up the shop to newbies to help them find their way underneath the comic book tent. And we're keeping the lights on for the oldies that want to level up by learning about uh, cool, potentially award-winning comic books. Ah, yes. We are talking about those wonderful Eisner Award-winning comic books on today's program. Or Maybe. the ones that are just nominated. You know, just it's still an honor to be nominated. We are all nominated every single week for being the best podcast that you continue to turn into. Uh, I am the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott. And again, we do thank you very much for tuning in to The Last Comic Shop every single week so that we can school you on some great comic books that you should pick up at your local comic book shop today. That's right. I would like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank my agent. I'd like to thank my high school teacher, my whoa, art whoa, teacher. Whoa. <laughs> That's right. Play me off. Play him off. You're like cinematographer. You, you get 10 seconds, buddy, and you're off. That's it. You can't. <laughs> and we're talking about Eisner nominees on today's program, and in, in particular, one of the current ones. It's one that's up for best limited series that will be awarded potentially to them or somebody else later this week at the San Diego Comic-Con. That's when they give out the Eisner Awards every year. And it is called The Good Asian. <laughs> And uh, before we get to that book, though, we want to list some other of the Eisner nominees, just in case any of you forgot or maybe haven't checked out the list yet before we have that uh, that unveiling of the winners later this week. So, J.A., you've got six categories, like kind of like the biggest ones in some ways that we're going to talk about on the opening segment. Yeah, so uh, we're going to cover uh, best continuing series, best limited series, best new series, and then we'll look at best writer, best writer artist, and best artist inker team. So those are sort of best picture, best actor, best actress type award yes. if, if you're going to compare this to the Academy Awards. What we're not going to go into is best graphic album reprint. That's essentially like giving somebody an award for putting together a DVD package. <laughs> Listen, the best part about the Eisners is it shines a light on all kinds of work. And some of that work is old. And that's okay. Yeah. A lot of my, my library are all these Fantagraphics uh, reprints of like 1930s and 40s comic strips. They put them together so beautifully in these hard brown collections that, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to live without them. That, sir, is a graphic reprint album. And for as many comics as we read, like, I'm looking through some of these categories, like, best short story. I probably read two or three of these, but they were really good. There's the one that right after Denny O'Neill passed away, his son wrote, and uh, that one made me cry. And then... The, the Daniel Warren Johnson one from Superman, and that one kind of made me cry. And so I'm wondering if the other three, if I read them, would kind of make me cry. But <laughs> now I have all these different things to pick up that I haven't uh, checked out yet. Well, <laughs> all right. I will get off my high horse about what's essentially an award for editors and go into 
best continuing series. Uh, there are five up in this award. I think there's five up for most categories. So uh, do we have Bitterroot by David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. The Department of Truth by James Tynion IV and Martin Simmons. Immortal Hulk, which I believe Andrew has talked about, by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett and a bunch of other people. Nightwing, which I believe Chad has talked about, by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. And Something is Killing the Children by James Tynion IV and Werther Del Eldira. Well, I can definitely say that of that list, Immortal Hulk is the one that stands out for me as like, I don't know if it's the winner, because, but but it was the one, I really, really did enjoy it a lot. I, the one on this list, though, that I never got to read, which I kind of feel like I should have, was that's what's killing the children or whatever. Oh, I, yeah. I kept on seeing that everywhere. I'm like, oh, you got to check this out. Did you check it out, Chad? Uh, no, I... The James Tinian stuff, it just doesn't speak to me. But, like, Bitter Root is some, a book I've been reading in trades. And, like, I've fallen behind on that one. That one I definitely have to check out. Immortal Hulk is awesome. Nightwing is just good old-fashioned comic booking. It really is just a fun series that I feel like people could just pick up. And, like, there might be a two-issue crossover here and there. But, like, it's just fun. It's it's lighthearted. It's, well, yeah. I guess there was one character who would rip people's hearts out. So that was less lighthearted. <laughs> Unless they were weighing less than other hearts. But yeah, uh, it's it's good, fun comic books. Yeah, plus it's got that one issue that's just one continuing panel. So if they don't Which, win the Eisner for just that, and the creativity around a comic book are based around one continuous panel, I, I don't know what else. Anyway. Which was nominated for Best Single Issue Slash One Shot as well. Ooh, all right. Jay, what's the next category? Limited series. We have Better Ray Bill, Argent Star by Daniel Warren Johnson. The Good Asian, which we're reviewing today, by Pornsak Pinshoti and Alexandri Tefunki. Apologies for the pronunciations. Hocus Pocus by Richard Wiseman, Rick Worth, and Jordan Culver. The Many Deaths of Lila Starr, which uh, was suggested by me as a recommendation a couple weeks ago by Ram V and Philippe Andrade. Stray Dogs by Tony Fleeks and Trish Forstner. And Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow by Tom King and Bilkis Evley. Wow, that is a stacked category. And and I, and I will say, I, I think we've all read at least one on this list. I mean, other than well, Good Asian, which we all read this week. But I, I, I recommended the Better Ray Bill series earlier on. Uh, Chad's recommended in the past that Supergirl, uh, Woman of Tomorrow, is, and uh, again, Lila Starr coming from J.A. What do you think is going to win this one, guys? Oh. For me, I, Supergirl, as much as I loved it, I don't think it stuck the landing. The Good Asian is good, as we'll talk about later. But I, I think the, the Daniel Warren Johnson train is just too powerful for anything to derail. I think it's going to go Beta Ray Bill. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going with sort of the dark horse. I think the many deaths of Lila Star takes it. That's okay. sort of like the, uh, the indie, right? The indie right. favorite that all the critics were loving. It's the but piano. But it's from Boom, not Dark Horse. Should be noted. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> All right. What's next category, J.A.? Best new series. Uh, the Human Target by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. The Nice House on the Lake by James Tinian IV and Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Not All Robots by Mark Russell and Mike Diodato Jr. 
Radiant Black by Kyle Higgins and Marcello Costa, and Ultra Mega by James Heron. The only one I haven't heard of is the Ultra Mega. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, I read that one. It is like Ultraman, Kaiju fighting craziness. Uh, it has a ton of energy. It's not exactly like Ultraman. Like, there's a little bit more to it, and it gets weird and twisted and dystopian. It is definitely lots of fun, but I don't know. I don't know if it'd be my pick here in this one. Oh, boy. Now, what, see, now I want to read it. Why, why yeah. did you read Ultra Mega? Like, Jay and I are salivating over that one. We're like, wait a second. Hold on. Mechs and Kaijus? Why didn't we read this? I will point out that we do run a podcast where we review comic books. I think we might be able to read it and review it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's your next pick. It better be, because now I want to read it. So, But yeah, what what, what, what do you think is going to win, Chad? For me from this list, I've read Not All Robots. I thought that was pretty solid. I haven't read Radiant Black, but I flipped through it. It seemed a little bit like uh, updated Darkhawk. But my pick would definitely be The Human Target by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. It's a 12-issue series. They're only halfway through. But basically, of The Human Target, who's the guy who hires himself out to put himself in harm's way, and he knows he's going to die. And he's trying to investigate which member of the JLI is going to be the one that kills him. And like each issue, uh, he's going out searching and doing his detective stuff. And like... If you love the old JLI stuff, it mixes crime noir stuff with those silly elements with, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the one punch. There's a one punch in here that is pretty severe, but Tom King was a known quantity for me. Like I know I'm going to enjoy most Tom King books, but Greg Smallwood on art is just bringing something else to this book entirely. It's probably my, my pick for best of 2022 thus far. It's that good. And, and James Tinian making another appearance on this list. We need to read this James Tinian. Why are we reading these books, House on the Lake? Uh, uh, no, all right. All right, what's, what's well, next category? Well, taking that up another step, he's also been nominated, James Tinian IV, under the Best Writer category uh, for House of Slaughter, Something is Killing the Children, Wind, The Nice House on the Lake, The Joker, Batman, DC Pride 2021, Department of Truth, uh, Blue Book, Razorblade, a lot of stuff. Very prolific in the last year. In the category with him, Ram V, who we just mentioned as well for The Many Deaths of Lila Star, along with Swamp Thing. He did a Carnage, Black, White, and Blood, and Venom for Marvel. Uh, Philippe Mello for Ballad for Sophie. Kelly Sue DeConnick for Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons Book One, and Ed Brubaker, our favorite. For Destroy All Monsters and Friends of the Devil. Yes. Which, by the way, those are the sequels to Reckless. So if you go back on The Last Comic Shop and you listen to our review of Reckless and you really like that book, those were the next two books in the series. That's my personal favorite. I love Ed Brubaker. They can give him all the awards in the world. But, like, boy, there's some good names on this list. Kelly Sue DeConnick, I love her stuff, too. And Brubaker, by the way, working on a new Batman cartoon. Ooh. And so he's the head writer, so I can't wait to see how that turns out. All right, let's let's wrap it up. we got two more categories to go, J.A. What's the best writer artist? So uh, some names that we'll recognize on this list as well. Allison Bechtel for The Secret to Superhuman Strength. Junji Ito for Deserter. Junji Ito Story Collection. Love, Sickness, Junji Ito Story Collection and Censor. 
Daniel Warren Johnson for Superman, Red and Blue, and the Betty Ray Bill series. Will McPhail for In, a graphic novel, and uh, Barry Windsor Smith uh, for Monsters, which we did review on the show. Yeah, it's like a two-horse race for me. I hate to say it. It's like Monsters and Betty Ray Bill, two different, completely different styles, but both have such kinetic energy to them. They capture you, and they won't let you go. J.A., what do you think's your pick? I think it's Barry Windsor Smith's to lose. I mean, Monsters was an epic undertaking, and uh, he's been in the industry forever. So I think that he gets it just on sort of... uh, Lifetime achievement? Yeah. Yes, yes. This is like Sidney Poitier or uh, (laughs) giving it to Clint Eastwood for Unforgiven? Yes. What do you think, Chad? What do you think's going to win? Oh, I already verbalized this earlier. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who I know it's not in consideration because it's coming out this year as opposed to last year. The guy who turned the Justice League into dinosaurs. I'm going to go with Daniel Warren Johnson. The, ah, the fresh blood. Yes. Mixing things up. Turning people into dinos. It's great. <laughs> that is that Jurassic League. is. Hey, that's another book that this summer, man. It's like the hot thing. Anyways, last category. Last category. Best penciler slash inker or penciler inker team. We have Philip Andrade for The Many Deaths of Lila Stark. It just keeps coming up, so we're definitely going to have to read that book. Phil Jimenez for Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons. Bruno Redondo for The Nightwing series. Esad Ribic for Eternals. And uh, North Mythology, P. Craig Russell. Yeah. Another one we covered on the last comic shop, but that Ribic is just, I like everything he does. And I really should be reading that Eternals book because it is gorgeous. Every single time I see it in previews or whatever, I'm like, why am I not reading this? It's probably because I don't like the Eternals, but I should be reading it at least for the art. Because the art, gosh, anytime he gets to draw like godlike characters, like if you've ever read his uh, Thor God of Thunder series or any of his Secret Wars where some of those, you know, titans fighting each other with Doom versus Thanos. That's great stuff. Uh, I think he's my pick. Yeah, his work on the uh, Silver Surfer mini shot Requiem was just incredible. What's your pick, Chad? Yeah, this one's a tough call for me because I there's so many of these artists I love. Like Philippe Andre. I haven't read Lila Star yet, but I've loved uh, some of the stuff he's put out. P. Craig Russell, that Norse mythology is always a winner. And you want to talk about lifetime achievement. P. Craig Russell is up for being inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, and then there's Bruno Redondo with Nightwing, which is just a great book. But the problem is, in the very first issue of that run, they show Nightwing eating pizza in a way that pizza is not supposed to work. So that disqualifies him. They didn't understand pizza in the beginning. So I'll, I'll go P. Craig Russell just because that's the one I've read. But uh, there's not a bad uh, option in the bunch here. All right. Well, one thing that's never a bad option is tuning in to The Last Comic Shop next week because we will actually tell you who won the awards, just in case you did not. As well as some other recaps of things that happened at the San Diego Comic-Con. So make sure that you're tuning in next week for that. And keep tuning in to this week's episode so that you can listen to our review of The Good Asian right after these commercial breaks. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles. 
The Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. All right, we're back. And now it's time for us to talk to you about the Eisner nominated for Best Limited Series coming out of Image Comics this past year called The Good Asian, an Edison Hark mystery. And J.A., why don't you tell us who are the creators involved with this Edison Hark mystery? The Good Asian was championed and written by Bornsack Pinchot Choti, uh, with the art by Alexandra Tefunki, colors by Lee Lawridge, lettering and design by Jeff Powell. And I apologize for any names I might have mispronounced. <laughs> We're doing our best. And speaking of doing our best, Andy, why don't you give us our best 10 cent synopsis for this book? It's either going to be 10 cents or it's going to be like two cents. Cause like it is, it is a true crime noir story. And if you know anything about crime noir, like it has a lot of left turns. That's why giving a synopsis of it is so difficult. But ultimately at the end of the day, uh, it's about Edison Hark who becomes a police detective while he's in Hawaii and then has to come back to the States to investigate the disappearance of his... I don't want to say his, it's his father. He lived with the guy. It's like this this guy named Calloway. Like, whatever. Anyways, Mr. Calloway has gone into a comb over a broken heart because his Chinese maid ran off and disappeared or his whatever. young Chinese maid that he was lusting after exactly. all sorts of right. penis going on Ivy uh, Chen 25 year old Ivy Chen and so uh, Edison Hark does take up the case to go and investigate this disappearance and a- as he does so he gets involved with the politics of Chinatown in San Francisco in the early 1930s you get a lot of history behind certain immigration laws that were in place in the 1930s that limited Chinese immigrants or made it very difficult for Chinese immigrants to actually live in the United States, even if they were, you know, naturalized citizens. But ultimately, the bodies start piling up as they do in these crime war dramas. There's a ends up being a femme fatale, as there are in crime war dramas. And uh, at the end, it's it, it turns out that the person that you thought did it didn't really do it. And, and that's it. I, I, I don't know what else to say because it is a mystery and we don't, I don't want to spoil everything, but that's the 10 cents, I guess. Sure, you left out the hatchet guy, but he's dispatched. <laughs> uh, well, we're that was going to spoil that, the stuffing out of it. Yeah, exactly. You, that you was, forgot to you forgot the, the Nancy Drew character who worked at the telephone exchange. Oh, she was yeah. like my favorite character. She was more interesting than Edison Hark at times. Kind of like your audience in. 
I guess that's a question. Could you guys relate with Edison Hark? Like a lot of this stuff kind of felt like a little bit like we were watching the first episode of the Watchmen show on HBO, where you were learning a lot about stuff that you were like, I actually didn't know about all this. Like, I didn't know about all the laws they put on the books to, to keep, you know, the Chinese out of the, uh, you know, the United States after evidently people thought they were taking jobs and, you know, because they were, they were coming over here to, to try to make money to send back to their families. And they were doing a lot of the work nobody, nobody wanted to do, like building the Intercontinental Railroad and stuff like that. I think that was my favorite part of this book was like the last couple pages of each issue. It's a great history lesson. Yes, I, I really like the end pages or like uh, alluded to the telephone exchange. And then uh, that issue at the end of it, he had a write up on how the telephone exchange used to work and a photo of the actual building, which still exists. I believe it's now an East West Bank showing that a lot of the story, while it's fictional, was drawing from ex real existing places and real existing people and their sort of amalgams and whatnot. I thought Edison Hark maybe is hard to relate to because he's a bit of a cipher in this book. And I think that's why he's called the good Asian. He's hiding and lying to everybody about what his true intentions are, what his true thoughts are. And so that makes him not exactly the easiest character to like, I think, because uh, he's see, a I, bastard. I didn't, I didn't have any trouble liking the character. He's definitely your classic noir detective. Where he's cold and he has to be because he's living in a society where, you know, Asians and, the, you know, they're called Orientals in this book at that time period. Like they are so persecuted. The fact that he is a cop, he has to wrestle with what is happening to his people. And he has to convince all the Guaylo that he's on their side. Meanwhile, he's there trying to work from within the system to make things more fair for Chinese and, and Asians. And this is a guy who was conflicted all over the place with his family relationships. He's conflicted. You know, he had his adopted father, you know, who has all this money and, you know, is in this coma. And then there's the, the thing with his, uh, you know, adopted sister. And then uh, there, there's so yeah, many. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 banging his sister <laughs> i guess they're not really it's related not but his sister it's he lived in the house with the calloways she was she wasn't related to him because was, the old man with money had the hots for his mom and then the mom got killed yeah. and then yeah. he moved forget it jake it's just chinatown well that was one of the more human aspects of edison hark it was one of the only times what i actually felt for him was you got some stories about when he, he was younger and he had the love affair with victoria calloway his quote-unquote adopted sister and they actually had a genuine relationship and there's this great scene where they're on this beach together there was a potentiality that she might have become pregnant with his child, but then later it was like, but he still wants to break up with her because he says, like, look, like, they are never going to let us get married. And I cannot stand the, the idea of you marrying somebody else and have me having to watch. So, like, I'm just cutting this off for both of our. I thought it was it was really human and it really I got a little teary. Like I, I it, it was genuine emotion. And, and from to your point, a cipher that you didn't get a lot of that. That was one of my favorite parts of his uh, of his story. I thought. Yeah, you could tell that he's he's hung up on Victoria. And there's there's that scene, which by the way, if we haven't mentioned, this is for uh, mature readers here. The scene when he's with the uh, was it a prostitute 
You know, he's just imagining that he's with Victoria. Like, she's in his head. And, uh, I don't know. There's just so many different twists and turns in this story. Where it's like, every time you think there's a character that's, you know, relatable or on the up and up, they're either killed or they turn. And they weren't on the up and up all along. They are on the, the down and dirty. And, uh... <laughs> It's hard to know who to trust and where to turn. And it turns out even the good guys aren't all that good. And the bad guys are all that bad. Ah! It's noir, baby. It's noir. It is. It, it feels just like it could be a, a Philip Marlowe story or a Sam Spade, but modern, I think, as well. So it's not just, you know, a throwback for throwback's sake. And I think sort of like watching the first episode of Watchmen was very apropos. Andrew, because it is, it, it puts you in a part of society that you probably weren't as much aware of and didn't know the history of, which is why those last pages are, are so powerful and interesting. And it adds a certain level of gravitas to the whole situation because it's not just a, a throwaway noir now. It has something to do with, uh, how how he's standing up for his community and 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 what he has to push back against you know crooked cops and well i was just gonna say on top of all that as this series is being released we are seeing uh in real time one of the after effects some would say of all of the craziness that's gone on in in america in the last few years where asian americans were had to fear for their lives because People with racist intentions were coming out and beating them. You know, these were stories on the news as this story of this, you know, Asian man who's trying to serve both the Asian community and trying to show the white people that you know, there is value there. I don't like. There's so much going on here, levels upon levels upon levels. Yeah, and 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 I, and I think it harkens back to something that I think J.A. mentioned when we reviewed um, uh, other history of the DC universe. He was talking about I think the katana issue, and he said something along the lines of like, "Hey, the Asian experience is actually different for again where you came from in Asia." And I think this is one of those stories that, for me, really highlighted that. Because, like, again, everybody knows about the Japanese internment camps, but, like, that's the Japanese experience and what was, and, and their persecution within the United States. The, the Chinese had a different situation going on. And so, like, when you learn about that, it's just interesting to be able to, to, to take a, a step in somebody's shoes and learn about what, what they're going through. Even though I will admit that, boy... This story was confusing as hell sometimes. Like, I'm serious. It is really great that we got this story. But there were times when I had to reread issues like two or three times. The opening issue starts off where, you know, he's coming back to him. And I was just like, why is he in this island? I did because, I again, I didn't know why he was there. You know, and, and then it gets back more into a, a, a film noir trope, which is going to see the rich patriarch or whatever that hires the private detective to go investigate his daughter. That's like for, out of the, like the big sleep. But I didn't know why he was on the island. Angel Island is what you're talking about. Yes. So it's sort of the, the West Coast version of Ellis Island, which a lot, I think a lot of people probably know more of. Uh, so that was where Asians coming into the country were interred while they were, you know, interrogated to to make sure that they were coming in for the right reasons and, and weren't coming to to work 
which doesn't quite make sense. But whatever. And don't forget the issue, the issue to Andy's original point, where he died! By the time you got to the end of that issue, he wasn't dead! Yes! And so, uh, there were yeah. parts in this that were uh, legit hard to follow. Yeah, but I really did love that, too, because speaking, again, back to uh, another Humphrey Bogart film, there, there's a call back to that. At the beginning of Dark Passage, the Humphrey Bogart character is a criminal that's on the lam, and he goes and he gets plastic surgery. I just wish that I didn't have to read the issue two or three times, right? Mm. Like, ah, well, I'm a busy guy. Follow me on this. Wouldn't it have been cool, like, at the end of the issue, if they had a nice two-page spread as the story progressed of, like, a detective's bulletin board? Like, at the yes. beginning, they would always have those sort of the story this far, little synopsis of, of some of the characters. But I think what we needed was a sort of detective's bulletin board at the end where you've got little pin cushions and you can move little pieces of string around and connect, make the connections. Well, I, I will say this. The other thing that I thought was very confusing was actually the bad guy. Which bad guy? The hatchet bad guy? The so detective like, bad guy? The I'm elderly bad guy? The lady bad guy? But like, it was like... They're all bad guys, Andy! They're all bad guys! Uh, what I'm saying is the hatchet bad guy comes out of nowhere! Like, they just introduce a brand new character that you're like, I don't know who this person is, and why should I care about him? So well, then they they're all related! Everybody's brothers and sisters and adopted cousins in this story. There's but still, like around. I was like, it actually was anticlimactic because I was just like, who is this guy? And what? 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 I'm not going to say who it is because you should read the story for yourself and then read it two more times because you'll need to. I will say I had a very similar like. I'm not sure what's going on. Who's this character? What was this? But at certain points, I was just like, no, nah, this is crime noir. We're just going to roll with it. <laughs> and like, I just let it be cool. You know what I mean? Like, cause it is such a cool story. Uh, you know, there's so much action and intrigue and double crossing. And I'm like, it, like, I may not have known what was happening, but I knew I was going to end up somewhere and it was going to be awesome. And so I was able to just sort of let myself go with the story as it went and be like, yeah, whatever. Okay. He's alive now. And he's related to this person and that person. And they know this person who went to school with this person who secretly looks like this person, but they're living in a hut somewhere. And you don't know where that person is. Ah, it's noir, baby. Noir. Sorry. I'm just yelling like a madman. <laughs> well, you know what's next, baby? It's ratings. That's what's up next, baby. That's what we're doing. So stay tuned. More Last Comic Shop. We'll get to our rating of The Good Asian right after these commercial breaks. Ratings, baby. Being a PI, you learn fast what seems like a normal case never is. You never realize how much you're going to need your friends. You can never guess how near your enemies are. And you never know who to trust. Now I'm chasing down an ancient artifact the only thing that can stop this newly unearthed terror. It sounds crazy, but I'm not thinking how nuts it all is. All I can think about is the only man who's ever managed to grab my heart is right at the heart of this mystery. And why? Every time my heart gets involved in anything, there's always a monster waiting in the shadows to break it. Ripped from the pages of the self-titled comic book comes Dash, a new queer supernatural noir podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Dash, on Instagram at Dash.Noir, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back with more of the last comic shop. And, uh, we're going to take the case of doing some more ratings. That's right. On this show, we always like to give you some ratings to go along with our reviews so that you know whether or not the book is good or bad, even though I, I don't know if anybody really pays attention that it much. It says good in the title. Exactly. <laughs> it's not the bad Asian. It's the good Asian. Yeah. It has to be somewhat Just, at least all right. So anyways, J.A., what is our one of out of four scale for this week's book? You mentioned it as appropriate for a crime noir. We're going to go with one out of four left turns. Ah, some swerving tires. Everybody liked that. We're going to start off with J.A. this week because this was actually his pick. So uh, I want to hear what he thought of it ultimately in terms of left turns. I thought it was an enjoyable crime noir story. I do admit that there was a bit of confusion. I could have used that cork board at the back of the issue to try to work out who's who and what's what and, and the swirling different connections that were being made. And I really enjoyed all the extra history because I'm a bit of a history buff. So I loved the the back of the book where you get a couple of pages of, of history of either the uh, Chinese Exclusion Act and, and the various anti-Asian exclusion acts that were done or the history of the, the Chinatown Telephone Exchange in San Francisco. I thought that was uh, quite informative. I thought the dialogue was written well. It just, uh, as you mentioned, Andrew, you had to reread a couple of things a couple of times. Which, is that a reflection of a really good story, or is that a reflection of maybe it was a bit too convoluted? So I'm going to give it uh, three, three and a half left turns. Okay. All right, Chad, you're up. What did you think? So, yeah, I enjoyed this. I did think uh, the back matter was really important. And we often talk about, you know, books that come out and, serve a bigger purpose i definitely think with all the the anti-asian sentiment and all the 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 racial disparities that they've had to deal with as a as a culture recently like in the news this is a super huge deal to have this story about you know an asian character trying to to make it uh in a society people need to see this and people need to read this stuff and if you are a fan of noir books the tropes are there. And if you recognize the tropes, you'll know, you know, oh, who's going to be the dame and all oh, this guy, you know, has this certain qualification that even though he looks like he's going to be the good guy, he's not really the good guy. You could pick some of that stuff out from the drop, but at the same time, it's done so well. And like I said, it's just cool. And uh, we haven't talked a lot about Alexandra Tafengi's uh, art, but Really, he has one of those art styles where it's just really great cartooning. He's a really good storyteller. Even though there were parts that were confusing, I was entertained the whole time. The action is there. The intrigue is there. Would I give it a four, though, with all those things said? I don't know that I could just because, like I we, we brought up, there's just times where it's a little, I don't, I don't even know if inconsistent is the right word. It's just hard to follow. And so I'll go 375. 
375 left turns. Is that one turn where you're not sure you're going to go? And then, ah, oh, I'm going to go! Oh, I'm not going all the way. Ah, and then there's a big car crash. Oh, big other corn. <laughs> right. Well, I think I'm going to be a little bit more critical than both of you. And I think it's because, like some of the other books that we went into, I had kind of high expectations for this because genuinely... 1930s 1940s pulp stuff if anybody's been listening to the last comic shop you kind of know that's kind of my niche my thing i like that era and i like stories told in that era and again a good private detective story set in that that time period is always going to be something that i gravitate towards and this had elements that I really liked again, to your point, Chad, I thought the art was gorgeous. And I, I got behind that. If I was just talking about art, I probably would give it like a 3.75 or a four. Cause I thought the art fit what you needed to tell a crime warp story. And there were other elements I liked, which were, you know, again, to Jay's point, I liked the history that was brought up. I learned a lot from this book. But, like, I didn't really come just for a history lesson. Like, if I, if I wanted that, I'd, I'd, I don't know, go back to college and, I don't know, go and take a class on it, not read a comic book. I want to be entertained. And if I have to read a book two to three times just to understand the story, there's something wrong with the story. I hate to say it. Like, I've read other crime noir books. I thought, like, Reckless was much more straightforward that was one that we covered on this show this one was it was too all over the place it was kind of like they they he had an idea of what he wanted to do with this story but then at some point he put it in the blender and it just came out a little bit more muddled than i would want uh and i think that's really the prime word i'm going to use is muddled like it wasn't bad it was just like uh, there was one or two left turns too many and it almost was almost in every single issue so i'm going to say 2.5. This is a 2.5. I think you should read it. I think that it does give you a good sense of of some stuff that you may not know about in terms of the, the Chinese-American experience. But again, you could probably get that from reading another book if that's what you really want. You don't really need to read a comic book and a crime noir to get that. Any case, some other things that you can get from comic books is our recommendations. Or, anyways, we're just going to talk about other comic books. Because <laughs> you should be able to pick up these up at your local comic shop in addition to the good Asian, if you want to check it out. So, we're going to go ahead and start off with Chad, who has another crime noir story that we can all uh, check out. What is it, Chad? Okay, so I was trying to think of what to recommend. I was going to recommend the Parker series of books by uh, Darwin Cook, which are delightful. And I was like, oh, I recommend mm. I was like, oh, I'll recommend Criminal by uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Like, ah, oh, I, I kept trying to find cool noir stuff. And I didn't want to go too far into the superhero realm, but uh, I did, ended up on Sleeper Season 1, which is by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Um, and basically, you have a story of somebody who is the sleeper agent, you know, working as part of the bad guys when he's secretly a good guy. But it has a lot of those other noir elements to it. And as as we've mentioned with Brubaker and Phillips, they just they know what they're doing. This one came out uh, circa 2002, I want to say, back through the Wildstorm imprint of DC Comics before they broke off and started doing their own thing. 
Uh, the edition I have uh, was collected in 2009, but if you can get your hands on it, it's definitely worth uh, just experiencing some of that Brubaker Phillips magic because uh, they know how to do it, and uh, it's on full display here. Well, that's definitely one I'm going to check out because you know I like that Brubaker and Phillips stuff for sure. Uh, so my recommendation, again, is uh, talking about collected graphic editions. Is that what it's called? What? albums is that what it was called ja this one in particular was one that was released a couple years ago from fantagraphics and it is called wally woods canon it basically is a reprint of a series that wally wood the legendary comic book artist wally wood did for overseas weekly which was a tabloid comic book thing sent to uh U.S. military bases uh, between the years of 1970 and 1973. He basically did this kind of like weekly strip almost. And uh, let me tell you, when I talk about strip, I'm not just talking about comic strip. I'm talking about, yeah, that kind of strip too. This book, I'm going to say point blank, is for mature readers, right? I know we do panel pals on this show. This ain't for them. It ain't even for some teenagers that might listen to our show. This is for adults because pretty much almost every other page is a topless woman. Yeah. And and, and you do kind of have to go into this series with the right mindset as, as it is about uh, a, basically a secret agent, kind of like James Bond, except it shows all of the stuff that happens after, you know, James Bond says the sexual innuendo and it plays to black. No, they show you what happened. So again, and it was for it was military personnel overseas. They wanted to see a little bit of the, you know, with their action. So that's what they got. But what you read this for is really the absolute gorgeous Wally Wood art. I mean, if Wally Wood was a cinematographer, he would have won a thousand Oscars because the way he can set up a scene, the way that he can draw a panel. It just puts you right into that action. And that's all you really want from something that's all about, like, you know, a secret agent going on at exotic adventures and meeting beautiful ladies and gunplay and, you know, jumping out of airplanes and stuff. So, yeah, if you're into that, if you like James Bond, if you like beautiful ladies, check out Canon. It's really good. From nothing else from a historical perspective. It's made me a fan of Wally Wood, or even more of a fan of Wally Wood than I was in the past. J.A., what do you got for us? So I'm reaching back to my uh, my childhood, uh, reading some crime books in the 90s. This came out from Dark Horse, The Shadow in the Coils of Leviathan, uh, which was by Michael Kaluta and Joel Goss, with great interior art by Gary Gianni and incredible covers by Michael Kaluta. Uh, essentially, the shadow, the great crime fighter, there's some subterranean menace that is haunting New York City <laughs> and slicing and burning people caught in the sewers. I don't know why people are going into the sewers, but if you're going into the sewers, you're going to get sliced and burned. And then he's trying to figure out who's doing it. Is it the lady evangelist? Is it a monomaniacal scientist is it the scientist's assistant 
Is it murderous jewel thieves? Is it Russian spies? It just gets into, you know, classic shadow 1930s, 1940s crime noir. This came out right about around the time that the shadow movie was coming out. So the Dark Horse was taking advantage of interest in, in the series. The trade paperback is very hard to find, unfortunately, right now. I think you get... We're talking like hundreds of dollars on the secondary market. But it was also put out in issue form, and I reckon that those issues can probably be found in Buckman's. Yeah, and that Michael Kaluta art is is tremendous. Uh, there's some other great shadow books that Michael Kaluta drew. Uh, you can go back to the original Denny O'Neill stuff that he did with him in the 1970s, as well as, I think, Hitler's Astrologer, which is a shadow book that Michael Kaluta drew uh, that was also written by Denny O'Neill, which, again... He has that awesome shadow with like, you know, the huge, huge hat. It's like it's enormous from one side to the other. And the black coat and the red scarf around his mouth and the enormous nose. Like it's a it's a great looking shadow. And I remember you getting that series that summer of 1994, J.A., and being like, oh, my gosh, I was waiting for every issue that came out because I just thought the art was gorgeous. Like there's one scene where he's climbing up the side of a ship. And it's just like, oh, he looks so menacing. So awesome. So yeah, I I totally agree with that recommendation. That one is a good one. And we hope that you come back for more great recommendations next week with more of our last comic shop. Again, as I said, we're going to have a recap of the uh, San Diego Comic-Con, including who won the Eisners and maybe some series that were unveiled at that particular event. So make sure that you tune in to get your post recap of one of the biggest comic book events of the entire year here at The Last Comic Shop. And you can do that by rate, reviewing, and subscribing over at our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where we've also got terrific links to things like YouTube, where you can check out some of our awesome videos. And you can find us on other social media places at Last Comic Shop. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, where you can find things like our weekly polls that J.A. puts up. Or Golden Age covers to help tuck you to bed at night. Uh, or uh, the books we're picking up or questions we have or things we just want to talk about throughout the course of the week. But uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram or go back to our website at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where they can find what else, J.A.? We've got a link to our merch store. Uh, we've got a special summer design if you want to get your summer t-shirt on uh, also trench coats because every good detective needs a trench coat so get a last comic book shop trench coat go with your mug and tote bag uh, no fedoras or maybe a bowler hat I always thought what would you have worn would you have worn a bowler or would you have worn a fedora back in the day guys I'm a fedora man myself <laughs> J.A. I think I would have gone with the flat cap Oh, that was like the intrepid news hound would always wear a flat cap. He's running or, around. Or the, or the taxi driver. Follow him, Jack. All right. Um, yeah. Yes. Getaway driver. And that getaway driver could drive you to your local comic shop. Don't know where it is. You can use the comic shop locator www.comicshoplocator.com where you might find the good Asian. But you could also find... Sleeper Season 1 by Brubaker and Phillips, or Wally Woods Cannon, or Shadow in the Coils of the Leviathan. All that more waits for you at your local comic shop. Check it out today. 
All right. And we will be back with more of The Last Comic Shop next week. Until then, I was the host with most Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith. And we hope that you stay safe, stay undercover, and remember that a gumshoe is only as good as both the gum and the shoes that you buy. So make sure that you buy Big Red and Pumas. Because <laughs> those are the first gums and shoes I, I, I thought of. I don't know. What would you guys buy? I gotta go with Wrigley Spearmint. Oh, the you double are... mint. Because there's always twins. All right, we'll go with that. The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.